Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. 1 Thessalonians, a letter written to a very young church composed of newly saved believers, reveals the triune God in the first chapter. But this unveiling of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit goes on to reveal not just that God is triune, but that in our dynamic salvation, all three of the Godhead are ministered to us, becoming the very substance and elements of our faith and the beginning of our Christian life, a life relationship with God himself. Bob Danker has joined us. Bob, we uh, have quite a portion here before us, don't we, in this uh, very first chapter of this little letter to this young church. I just uh, treasure this life study and, of course, the book of 1 Thessalonians very much. This book, as you said, is a great treasure, and especially the way it begins. The apostle telling the believers or recounting to them how Uh, They conducted themselves when they were with these new believers, how their word, the preaching of Christ, came to them in a lot of suffering, yet with joy, full of joy of the Holy Spirit, and how when they spoke the word to the Thessalonians, uh, that word was not an empty kind of a teaching. It was a word full of reality, full of the triune God himself, who was imparted to the Thessalonians through this preaching. This is a tremendous picture of the proper preaching of the gospel, both in word and in example, setting up an example for the new ones to follow. The apostles on their visit through Thessalonica, maybe approximately a year before the letter was written, became or um, were manifest as a pattern for these young believers. And now this young church has become a pattern for all of Macedonia and Achaia. And that means there's evidence there just in that much uh, that the salvation they received was a dynamic one. It was a living one. It was one that produced fruit almost immediately. And so it's worthwhile to dig into the details a little bit and see what is the uh, energy here going on in this uh, kind of salvation that had such a tremendous result in this worldly city of commerce and entertainment and among these people who had had apparently no inclination toward God, but now have become even a pattern for all the other churches. This is really remarkable, Chris. What we're going to see today, Bob, has very much to do with the triune God. And so when Paul begins this letter talking to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, we see the triune God is very much incorporated into these first few verses, and it reveals very much. Let's look at a few verses now from the first chapter that sort of confirm not only is that the triune God that's mentioned here, but the link between God being triune and the faith that was produced in the believers in this city of Thessalonica. In chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word. For from you 
the word of the Lord has sounded out in verse 8. Not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but in every place your faith toward God has gone out. Bob, these uh, verses reveal the word preached, the word received, and then the word sounded out. Marvelous, isn't it? Very marvelous. All right, let's join Witness Lee, and then we'll get back to fellowship about it. Paul, he indicated clearly to preach the gospel is just to preach the word of God. And then he told us that the Thessalonians accepted the word. And then he told us also that after accepting the word, the Thessalonians what sounded out the word. The word was preached to them. The word was accepted by them. The word was sounded out from them. Praised, accepted, and sounded out. Now, turn to verse 8. For from you, the word of the Lord has sounded out. Not only to Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place, what? Your faithful God has gone out. By the context of this verse, you could see the word of the Lord, your faithful God, are synonyms. What does this mean? What is faith? How could you define faith? It's hard for a satisfactory definition. But by these few verses, we all can see what is faith, you know? Faith is this. Firstly, the word preached to you. Secondly, you accepted the word. Then you sound out it. This kind of word is faith. When the word of the gospel is prayed to you, and you accepted it, and you like to declare it, Amen. this is faith. Amen. The word becomes faith within you. Amen. The word in the mouth of the preacher is the gospel. When the word gets into your mouth and get out of your mouth, it becomes faith. Bob, a few places in the New Testament, at least a few, make a linkage between the word and faith. And I'd like you to pick that up because it's certainly here in this first chapter. They had the word preached to them. They accepted or received the word themselves, and then they sounded out. They spoke the word, and faith has very much to do with this whole operation, doesn't it? It does. When the word comes to us, it brings to us all the things that we believe in. Elsewhere, this word is called the word of the faith. Mm. So the contents of this word of the gospel is the Christian faith. Those things in which we Christians believe are conveyed to us by the gospel. When we receive them, these elements enter into us and produce in us a subjective believing. We believe them. We receive them by believing what we hear. Then this becomes our believing or our faith. Now, when we speak them out from our own mouth, then these words go out from us 
and our faith also goes out with these words. So the more we speak what we have received, the more our faith is strengthened. I think we can verify this by our experience. If we would only listen to the word and take it in, it has one kind of an effect on us. If we would speak it out, it has another kind of effect on us. It strengthens us. It strengthens our believing in all these wonderful things that are conveyed to us in the preaching of the gospel. This is a very relevant point, even as we ourselves uh, helping others come to faith for the first time, perhaps. I was in a setting just recently. A young girl, college age, received the Lord in a marvelous way. Now, it's important for her, with this new life that has now been germinated within her as the result of her exercise of the faith that had come to her by virtue of what she heard. It's important to encourage her, isn't it, to open her mouth quickly and begin to speak what she has received and uh, uh, and experienced of Christ herself. I agree with that, Chris. Every new believer should immediately begin to speak out or sound out the word of the Lord that he himself has heard. And by doing that, he's, his faith is sounded out with the word. Plus, this wonderful element that has come into us by the preaching of the gospel and our believing becomes so active within us. As you mentioned it earlier, you call it a dynamic salvation. Our salvation begins to be dynamic, to cause something to work in us, to change us, uh, to strengthen us, to give us a solid standing and a firm foundation for the beginning of our Christian life so that we can continue to live this life, which is, we have seen, is a holy life for the church life. What about a believer who has been a believer for a while, but maybe has gone somewhat dormant or cold? How effective can this be in helping them to restore the uh, dynamic aspect of their salvation? Well, I would say this is very effective. When we come to the Word of the Bible, or we even read the Bible, or we listen to someone speak, if we would receive it with an open heart, an exercise spirit, and then we would speak it back. Uh, for instance, if we read the Bible, we read that Christ died for our sins. We read this, mm-hmm. and we could say with our own mouth, Lord, thank you, you died for my sins. Wouldn't that word become so living and effectual yeah. in our being? It would produce and strengthen our faith. We do need to speak out this word. One of the reasons, as we'll see now, we've talked about it a little bit at the opening today, but the the reason that this faith has the dynamic component is that what is producing this faith in us is the very triune God himself, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. As we saw yesterday, we'll review a bit today and see it developed a bit more. The triune God, not just God in a general vague way, but specifically God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is revealed in this first chapter. To come back to some verses we looked at yesterday, chapter 1, verse 4, knowing, brothers, beloved of God, your selection, and we'll see in a moment how that reveals the Father. And then verse 10, and await his Son from the heavens, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath which is coming. Certainly the second of the Trinity here. And in verse 5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. So here is the third of the Trinity clearly revealed in this chapter, and Witness Lee develops his point in a wonderful way just ahead. Well, now we have to study what is the contents 
of the word Paul preached. No doubt. The contents must be the triangle. Amen. In verse 4, Paul says, We know your selection. No doubt this refers to God the Father's work. In eternity past, God the Father did the selection. Then, in verse 9, verse 10, Paul says a lot about the Son. The Son is the Savior who delivers us. And then in verse 5, Paul says the word he preached was in the power and in the Holy Spirit. And this in the Holy Spirit indicates that the Holy Spirit is just a transmitter. God the Father selected, God the Son accomplished redemption to deliver us, and God the Spirit transmits all the things to us. This is the content of the word Paul preached as the gospel. The proper gospel is just a divine word embodies the triune God. Telling us what the Father did for us, what the Son did for us, and what the Spirit has and is still doing for Amen. us. Then we believe, we accept, and that becomes our faith. Amen. And this faith has two aspects. It is your subjective faith. It is also your objective faith. The objective faith. Right. That means the things you believe in. Right. And the subjective faith it means your believing action. Through such a phase, you are regenerated of God. Amen. You are born of God. A relationship of life between you and God. Amen. Not only so, through such a phase, you are put into Christ. Amen. Formerly, you were outside of Christ, but through this phase, you become inside of Christ. Amen. Could you see this? In this new life, we have a relationship of life with God. And we are in an organic union with Christ. So, in this relationship, and in this organic union, we begin our Christian life. Hallelujah. Bob, there was uh, enough in this short portion to have two or three programs, probably. We have this matter of the contents of the proper gospel, but I would specifically like to get to these two aspects of faith, the objective and subjective. There was really something uh, quite fresh here. Yes, there are two aspects of faith. The objective faith, which we call the faith, which is referred to as the faith in the Bible, really means those things in which we believe. We believe in what? We believe in the triune God. We believe that God is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We believe in what the Father has done for us. Right. We believe in what the Son has done for us. And we believe in what the Spirit is doing and will do for us. These are the things in which we believe. This is the faith, the objective faith. It's outside of us. Mm-hmm. These things are objective things. But when we hear the word of the gospel... All these objective realities are spoken to us, and we receive them. 
when we receive the word, and then they become our subjective believing action, our action of actually believing. Yeah. So we have a subjective faith. That means we believe in these things which are the contents of the objective faith. It's really two ends of one thing, right? When it's outside of us, Mm -hmm. it's objective. When it's inside of us, through our receiving, it becomes subjective. And the wonderful thing about this is that this combination of the objective faith, which is spoken to us in the gospel, and the subjective faith within us through which we receive all these wonderful things. This brings us into an organic union with the triune God. It makes us one with the triune God in our spirit, and it transfers us into Christ. This is where our Christian life begins. It begins with this organic union with the triune God and our being now no longer outside of Christ, but in Christ. So here we have our beginning, and here we are ready to continue to live this kind of Christian life, which is the holy life for the church life. So not only does the faith have a subjective application within us, there's also a subjective result here, and that is that not only have we just been objectively forgiven of our sins, but we have entered into Christ, we have his life entering into us, we now have a life relationship, an organic union with God through this subjective faith, and this is what really launches our Christian life. This is a marvelous launching, I would say. (laughs) Without this as a basis, how could we live a Christian life? The Christian life is not our endeavoring to improve ourselves or to live according to a certain code of ethics or morality, even a biblical code of ethics and morality. The Christian life is the triune God living in us and we living in the triune God. Wow. Well, let's go back to Witness Lee, Bob, for our final portion today. We're going to stay on this very, very uh, significant line that we've touched on just now. Now you understand where this feast came. You have accepted that word which embodies God. When you accepted this word, faith became yours. You have faith. And this faith is both objective and subjective. This faith is living, and this faith is active. Let me illustrate this way. Uh-huh. This evangelist prayed the gospel to me, and I accepted the word, then I have faith. Through this faith, I got born of God. And through this faith, I am put into Christ. Faith is here. You know what? As long as one gets such a faith, what follows? Some action follows. First, I would say, Oh, Lord Jesus, He is so precious. This is the first action. And I would right away go back home and to tell my wife that I have believed in Jesus. And I would preach the same thing to her. What is this? This is the work of faith. This faith in me means a lot. It implies God. It implies grace. It implies power. 
implies light. When I got back home and I preached Christ to my wife, oh, within me, the faith enlightened me. You are now preaching gospel, Christ Jesus, to your wife. How about your bad attitude last night to her? You see, right away, I apologize. I made confession to her. This is an action that comes out of it. I tell you, the people who have faith are really different. Formerly, you like to drink. Since faith came in, spontaneously, you stay away. Not only so, many of us, before we were saved, we were so poor to people. But after being saved, we become nice, <laughs> gentle, mild, loving. Am I right? Who taught you? No one taught you. Just faith with you. I tell you, these are the words of the faith. Quite a wonderful development here of this thought, Bob, of the inner working of the objective faith and the subjective faith. I was enjoying where you were going when we were fellowshipping before. It seems it was Witness Lee has just picked that line up. Why don't you get back on it? Well, yes, this is quite marvelous. A real believer, one who has received the preaching of the gospel, which is the word of the objective faith, and now possesses the genuine and real subjective faith, will experience many, many changes in his life. This faith is so living and so active within him. It causes him, first of all, to appreciate and to love Christ. And then it causes him to want to tell others that he has believed in the Lord. And maybe, uh, as Witness Lee pointed out, it enlightens us to see we didn't treat others so rightly in the past. We need to apologize. We need to go and confess to them and ask them to forgive us, make restitution. Mm -hmm. We have so many things that happen to us once we come to possess this real living faith that came to us through the preaching of the gospel. All the activities of a real Christian come out of this faith. Something within us is motivating us. It's like a dynamo, a motor that causes us to do certain things, say certain things, to stay away from the things we should, that we formerly enjoyed, but now these things no longer are tasteful to us. We stay away, and we are doing things we never did before. Why? Because someone taught us? No, but because we have now this living, active faith. Bob, when this operation of faith, which is really the operation of the triune God within us, is taking place, even at the early stage of the Christian life, as we're kind of seeing uh, described today, uh, it brings, as he said, this implies grace. It takes grace to apologize to your wife, right, for your bad attitude. And it implies power. There is some motivating power there that is functioning. And it implies enlightenment. This faith brought in Christ as light to bring to our realization that bad attitude. All these things are happening, and we may not be aware of any of the doctrines associated with these things, grace and enlightenment and so many of these fine points, but the reality is very much taking place because the faith is living, dynamic, and operating. Absolutely right, Chris. This is a marvelous reality. Bob, I hope you can join us again for a lot of these uh, programs and uh, these two letters to the Thessalonians. I do look forward to it, Chris. Okay, we look forward to hearing from you also. I'd like to give you our toll-free number for you to call. 
Uh, we have the printed life study volume of First and Second Thessalonians. You can reach us toll free at one eight 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 Life Study, eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight, or write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box twenty one twenty one, Anaheim, California nine two eight one four, or send an email to us, and you can do that. Just address it to radio at lsm.org. And try to join us tomorrow as we wrap up this first week of our life study of 1 Thessalonians. For Bob Danker and Chris Wilde, thanks very much for listening today. The story of Abraham's life is full of God speaking for Christians today. Just like Abraham, every believer must learn the lessons of faith through trials, testing, and even failures in order to enter into the promises and blessings of God. Witness Lee's remarkable commentary on the life of Abraham, taken from the Life Study of Genesis, is now available from Living Stream Ministry in a single volume entitled Abraham Called by God. Abraham Called by God by Witness Lee is available at Christian bookstores everywhere, or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788. 